the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus says, are you thirsty? Come to me and drink of me. Allow me to fill your soul. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Today's part two of a message that we started yesterday in John chapter 7. And John chapter 7 starts off with the fact that the Jews, the religious Jews, this isn't the Jews in general, the Jews in general love Jesus, but the religious Jews who were the politicians of the day, they wanted Jesus dead. And so Jesus' brother said to him, like, hey, are you going to go to the feast in Jerusalem? And he was like, no, I don't think so. And uh, it was the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a seven-day feast. So anyway, as we move a little bit farther into John uh, chapter 7, we have Jesus deciding to go into Jerusalem, and he came in about midway through the feast. So he's about three and a half days into the feast, and he starts preaching in the tabernacle. Now, the people before that were saying, well, who is Jesus? He's just a mere man. No, he's more than a man. No, he's this, he's that. And they, everyone was debating on who Jesus was. Yes, they debated just like they still do today. But what did Jesus say about himself? You know, because some people will say, well, he was a good man, or he was a prophet, or he was a good moral leader. But again, what did Jesus say about himself? Jesus not only claimed to be God, he was God. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 30. He says, I and the Father are one. Do you remember in John chapter 14, where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back for you, and I'll take you into my Father's house. And he says, you know the way. And of course, at that point, it's like Thomas said, no, we don't know the way. We don't have a clue. We don't know where you're going. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but by me. And then that's when Philip stand up and said, well, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. And that's when Jesus said, have I been with you for such a long time and you still don't get it, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that, of course, was the very claim that the religious leaders used to have Jesus crucified when they took him to Pontius Pilate. And they said, this man has blasphemed. And what, again, was their accusation that he claimed to be God? And, of course, that's what Pontius Pilate had written on the sign that they nailed to the cross, that Jesus was the king of the Jews. So when people say, well, why did Jesus die on the cross? Well, he died for our sins. Yes, he did. But what was the reason why he died? It's like, well, he died because he claimed 
claim to be God in the flesh. Yes, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons need to know that because they deny the deity of Jesus Christ, that he was God in the flesh. Yes, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all the same. Yes, everybody was talking about Jesus. They wondered where he was, and then he shows up preaching, which brings up this other thought. How can it be? Let me read to you what it says in John chapter 7, verse 15. It says, Then the Jews were astonished, saying, How has this man become so learned, talking about Jesus, having never been educated? So Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine. But his who sent me, if anyone is willing to do his will, he will know that the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak of myself, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. You know, did not Moses give to you the law, and yet none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to kill me, Jesus said to the religious leaders. And the crowd answered, you have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? Like they already knew what they were doing. It already said that in John chapter 7, verse 1. But Jesus answered them, I did one deed and you all marveled. For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but from the fathers. That was through Abraham, right? And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that he, the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? See, this is the whole beef that they have with him. You're healing people on the Sabbath. It's like, well, wait a second. You know, if a baby's born on the eighth day, according to the law, he has to be circumcised. That's what God gave to Abraham. And so you're circumcising that baby on the eighth day. If it falls on the Sabbath, it falls on the Sabbath because he has to be circumcised. So why are you getting on me if I heal a whole man on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to the appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So some of the people in Jerusalem were saying, is this not the man whom they are seeking to kill? Look, he is speaking publicly and they are saying nothing to him. And the rulers, do they really know that this is the Christ? Do they know that? See, we'll stop there for a moment. But after the feast had started, again, Jesus shows up and heads for the temple. And he's teaching the religious leaders. And those religious leaders were astonished. They were beside themselves. And they were left with this question. How can this be? How can this man, how can this man that was raised on the wrong side of the tracks with no formal education, know and teach with such power? The word astonished there in verse 15 is marveled in the New King James Bible. I use the New American Standard Bible. It's a better translation of the original Greek and Hebrew scriptures. But in the original language, it means to be stricken with sudden fear while at the same time being filled with great wonder and surprise. Like, they were afraid, like, how can this be? Like, man, this is something like out of this world. So they were filled with wonder and surprise, but yet kind of fearful at the same time. Yes, they were set back 
by Jesus. And shame on those religious leaders for rejecting Jesus. They should have known who he was. They should have embraced him as Lord and Savior. Yet, because of their own jealousy, they had blinded them, leaving them baffled by Jesus. Yes, the lame were walking, the blind were seeing. Yet all they could say to themselves was, how does he do this? How can he know what he knows? Well, Jesus answers him in John chapter 7, verse 16. He says, hey, guys, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If any man is willing to do his will, he shall know the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak for myself. I wonder how many of us are living our own life according to our own plans, trying to find our true purpose. Do you doubt God's word because you think his word conflicts with your way of thinking? Yet, have we ever thought that maybe it's our way of thinking and the lifestyle that we have chosen to live that's conflicting with God's word and his plans for us? That's a deep thought there. Think about that as you're listening on the radio here. Sometimes people are like, well, the Bible is just full of rules and regulations. No, God has given us his truth on how to live in this culture in which we live in. I was talking to with an atheist from England down in New Zealand. You know, it was a divine appointment because there, each of us were a half a world away from our own homes. Yet we were both entrenched in a conversation about Jesus Christ. And after an hour, he said to me, Why would I give my life to this God when I have my life already planned out? And I said to him, right back in him, looking directly in his eyes, I said, wow, what an exalted view you must have of yourselves. Here you are, 25 years old, and you have all of life figured out? What a limited view you must have to think that you have become all knowledgeable as God remains in your mind as nothing more than a figment of someone else's imagination. Yet, we both live in a world of unexplainable magnificence. Listen to what God said in the Bible to all humanity in Romans chapter 1, verse 19. He says that it is known about God. That which is known of him, of God, is evident within them. Talking about every non-believer, God is evident to them. For God made it evident to them. For ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what he has made so that they are without excuse. It's like the person looking at a forest and saying, hey, where's the forest? I can't see it. All these trees are in the way. Listen, that is the forest. It's all the trees. When you look at everything that's happening, our world is traveling in an orbit around the sun that's 520 million miles long. We're traveling at a speed of 1,000 miles per second. Think about that. Think of the magnitude of that. Think about it. It's like, how could we just have created ourselves? How did this whole complex universe come into being if there wasn't a divine creator behind it? Yes, the nature itself screams of the glory of God. How in the world does a giraffe 
get his blood up to his brain through that long neck. You know how? He's got a heart that's huge. It's one of the biggest hearts on planet Earth, okay? It's two foot long, and it pumps that blood all the way up that neck to get blood up to his brain. And then when the giraffe reaches down and eats something off the ground, he's got multiple valves in that artery that's taking that blood up that close the artery so that all the blood doesn't rush to his head and his head explodes and there's a bunch of dead giraffes in Africa. How did that happen? Oh, well, it just evolved. Those valves evolved over millions of years. No, there is a divine creator in the evidence of the animal kingdom, the evidence of nature, the evidence of everything that we have. I was looking at this avocado and it's got this big old avocado seed inside, right? You open up, you know, you cut open an avocado for what? Guacamole. It's like, hey, it's like that's one of the joys of life. But anyway, but that avocado seed that everyone takes and throws away, if you plant that avocado seed, in that avocado seed is the ability of growing an entire avocado tree that will produce thousands of avocados for years to come. Okay, how did that happen? Why is it all in there? How did that figure that self out? How does the reproduction of plants and animals and everything, human beings, how does it all work? There is a God. So the non-believer has no excuse, the Bible says. That's why he goes on to say, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Why? Because they've rejected that there's a creator of all things a divine creator, they've rejected that, see, and it will come back on them. Well, that guy in New Zealand had everything to say for a full hour, but for a moment when I shared with him what it said in Romans chapter 1, for a moment he had nothing to say. Again, know this, there is a God in heaven, and he came to this earth to live and die for his own creation. Jesus Christ, he was the God-man, and he bore sin, uh, sin of the world upon his own body. So it was the creator coming to the earth to die for his own creation. Yet, these religious leaders in John chapter 7, they were not willing to let go of their pride and their arrogance to see that Jesus was everything that he claimed to be. Who else had opened the eyes of the blind? Who else had made the lame walk? Who else raised people from the dead? I mean, who else has done that? How about nobody? And again, reading their minds, Jesus said at the end of verse 19, you seek to kill me, which they lied and said, uh, what? You mean us? Of course not. You must have a demon inside. You've lost your mind. Yet that's exactly what they wanted to do. Even the people in verse 25 knew that they wanted him dead. But the religious leaders were afraid of confronting Jesus in public. Why again? Because the people were drawn to Jesus. And in verse 27, the leaders said, We know where Jesus is from. We know where he's from, but we don't know where the Christ will be from. What? Are you serious? It's like, you know where Jesus is from, but you don't know where the Christ will be from? Well, without question, Jesus was the anointed Messiah. So Jesus cried out in verse 28, You both know me, and you know where I'm from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. Wow. 
He, it's like he just told the people right up front, like, you don't know God, because if you knew God, you would know me because I'm God in the flesh. See, why do we go through the scripture at Core Church LA? Why do we teach the hard things? Because that's how you grow and mature in your faith as a believer. You know, I've met some believers that are 20, 30 years old in the Lord, and it's like they haven't got out of kindergarten yet. And then I've met other believers that are maybe a year or two old in the Lord, and they've embraced the scripture, and they're, they understand understanding of the scripture is so so at the point of forefront of their heart and their whole life will transcribe all of those things because they're growing and maturing in their faith. Let me ask you, are you growing and maturing in your faith? Are you growing and maturing in the things that God wants you to do? Are you growing and maturing to the point where you're starting to leave off the sin and you're starting to sin less and sin less and sin less? Or are you just caught in this merry-go-round of the Christian life where you go to church, but you're not really growing and you're not maturing in your faith. You don't really get into conversations about Jesus because you're afraid you can't answer the questions that will be asked. It's like, well, why don't you start growing? Why don't you stop that that cycle that's happening in your life? Listen, if you're anywhere close to Los Angeles, like within an hour, why don't you come to Core Church LA? Why don't you really just be challenged in your faith? It's like we have three services on Sunday, one at 8.30, one at 10.30, and one at 12.30. We're on the intersection of the 10 freeway in La Cienega, like 200 feet north of the 10 on La Cienega. It's the busiest north and south street in all of LA. I invite you to come and check it out and just see, like, man, can I grow in my faith? You know, can I be challenged in my walk as a Christian? And listen, if you live too far away or you're in one of our 19 stations back on the East Coast, which, by the way, I'm coming back next week. That's right. Next week, I'll be speaking in Baltimore, Maryland. So, hey, write it down because I'm going to be in Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm going to be at Calvary Chapel there in Ellicott City. So, hey, check us out. But anyway, I just want to encourage you, you can always download our free app. Just go to the App Store, put in Core Church Los Angeles, download the app. There's hundreds of video messages, plus it gives you the ability to watch our live stream services. All of our services are live streamed. Three services on Sunday and our midweek service at 7.30 on Thursday can all be live streamed. Well, anyway, getting back here to our text, you know, Jesus says, you call yourself religious, but you have no clue who God is, because if you knew him, you would know me. Jesus would not let these faithless religious leaders off easy, and they were mad. Look at what they say next in John chapter 7, verse 30. They said, They were seeking, therefore, to seize him, but no man laid hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Listen to what those sent by the Pharisees to seize Jesus had to say. So they sent, like the temple guards, you go get this Jesus, drag him in here, because we're getting him off the street. So the temple guards go out there, but then they come back empty-handed. And what did they say in verse 46? They said, never has a man spoken the way that this man speaks. I could see them trying to, you know, go in there and seize Jesus. And they started listening to what he was saying. Could you imagine Jesus preaching? 
I mean, it's God in the flesh speaking. Those words must have just resonated off their hearts and their minds and their very souls. It's like, never, ever has a man spoken like this man has spoken. Yes, it was not yet his time. He was going to wait a little longer. He still had work to do, lives to touch, disciples to train. Yes, it was going to be a little while longer, which brings up this final thought here. Who's thirsty? Let's read what it says here in John seven thirty seven. Listen, I say let's read. Listen, if you're driving in a car, keep your eyes on the road. I'll do the reading. You do the driving. Anyway, he says this. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Notice, now it was the last day. And here's an interesting fact. On the last day of the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles, the high priest would carry back to the temple a golden container of water from the Pool of Siloam. As they came to the temple, three trumpet blasts were made to mark the occasion with joy. Then the people recited Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, that says, Therefore you will joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. So the priest marched around the altar with the water, and he offered it as a sacrifice of thanks for God's provision of rain. Now, as this was happening, Jesus stood up and cried out, If any man, I don't care who you are, any man, any woman, slave or non-slave, I don't care who you are, I don't care what color your skin is, I don't care what shape your eyes are, if any man or woman is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Wow, think about those three words. Thirsty, come, and drink. First, thirsty. Have you ever been thirsty? Like your mouth was as dry as the Sahara Desert? That's when we redefine craving a drink. It's all that we can think about. We can last about, what, 40 or 50 days with no food? I think I can go about four or five hours, but whatever. The point is, a human body can actually go 40 to 50 days with no food. But you can only go three days with no water. Yet this thirsty represents the cravings of a man or a woman that's thirsty for something more, which we don't have. He's not talking about having a bottle of Aquafina drinking water. He's talking about a thirst that people seek after for their soul, their self-indulgence, some possession in life, something that they think only money can buy. But then they get these things and it simply doesn't satisfy. And then Jesus says, secondly, you come. To him, of course, come is a word that expresses action. It requires movement on our part. Jesus is asking us to come to him. He's asking us to surrender. He's asking us to give him our very soul and to cast ourselves empty-handed at his feet. And thirdly, he said to us, drink. Yes, when we drink of the goodness of God, that's when we find true satisfaction. Listen to the promise God makes to those who call upon him. In Isaiah 58, 11, he says, And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water that will not fail. See, notice, not only do we drink, But we are satisfied when we come to Christ. But we come to him. We become a well-watered garden. 
and we become a well-watered garden for those that are around us. Now we start breathing life into other people. Why? Because we found satisfaction for our soul. Let me ask you as we end here today, are you thirsty? Have you come to that place in life that nothing else satisfies? You know, Lady Gaga, who's extremely successful, obviously, in the world's eyes, said this in Vanity Fair magazine. She said, quote, I'm perpetually lonely. I'm lonely when I'm in relationships. It's just my condition. Maybe you feel lonely here today. Maybe you find yourself just empty inside. Well, listen, I say to you, come and drink. Jesus says, are you thirsty? Come to me and drink of me. Allow me to fill your soul. And if that's your desire and you want to get right with God, you want to know that your sin's forgiven, you want to know that you know you're going to heaven, but in spite of all of that, you want to know that God's walking with you in this here and now as our world is spiraling out of control, out of control inflation, out of control homicides, out of control crime. God says, come to me and I will give you rest. And if that's your desire, you have to pray this prayer. Look, because only you can pray it. No one else can pray it. You have to pray it for you. But if you want to get right with God, pray this now. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died for me and that you were buried. But I believe that you rose again from the dead. Come inside of me. Forgive me for everything I've done. Walk with me. Be my Lord. Be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to send you a Bible free of charge and some materials to help you and encourage you in this walking relationship with Christ. If that's something that you would like to have, text me at 323-807-3255. That's 323-807-3255. 3255. And may the Lord God bless you. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to Pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbur of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, Consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's Dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.